It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Anything else you want to say about the uh, expeditions? Now, see, there's. What we want to do in the future, and this is going to happen, but um, well, I'll have assigned projects for people, and because uh, you can't do everything, and so uh, somebody could go off and they could spend time um, researching and exploring these expeditions in order to prove they're completely fake. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now remember. Um, how can we prove that they're not fake? See, it just seems to be, oh, Dave, that's so absurd. Now, I'll admit that on the surface of things, it appears unlikely. But once you start to penetrate a few things, you realize this world is completely different than what we're being told. A good way is just to talk about coding photography and how you can photo- fo- uh, photograph the electromagnetic field of any physical object, okay? Because after you realize that and then you come to the conclusion, which I haven't seen anybody do, that they are lying to you about every single physical object you're going to see in entire life. So right there, you're just you're, your whole reality just collapsed. You just don't realize it. And most people don't want to acknowledge it. But that's what just happened. You see? Mm-hmm. There's a subtle reality out there that they are keeping from you and one little data points to... It indicates that is when you watch like these Ghostbusters show uh, on TV, they will actually show you these technologies because ghosts, whatever they are, it's more than one thing, they have these ethical electromagnetic fields, you see. So they will, people are very uh, uh, skeptical about ghosts. So they'll actually troll the truth out there and have these guys, and I think the thing is controlled. They actually have, like, real ghosts from time to time. But then there's fakery involved to make it more exciting, you know. But they'll have these guys with the technology just trolling it out there, you know, beep, 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 you know. But then you never see it anywhere else. Now, what does that tell you? You see? If you look at um, what are the what are the... You know, the uh, statistical likelihood that you would never see that in any other context if things were just happening by random chance. No. Should, that technology should be out there in some other context that's not so absurd, at least to the common mind, who's still trying to figure out if there is a ghost. Because he has no objective standard. You see? Mm-hmm. And if you knew that in the ancient world everybody believed in ghosts, just like everybody believed in, the, in uh, evil spirits. Everybody, what's the big deal? We don't respect the past because um, our connection with it has been artificially truncated deliberately. They don't want us to have these traditions because there's a significant amount of truth in them. And so they call them mythology. Anyway, that is really a fascinating subject to, uh, I mean, Jesus. You can go all over the place with Antarctica. But anyway, 
there's a temptation to believe that Antarctica is very narrow. And I used to believe that, a narrow ring of ice, I believe it is um, a lot bigger than you would think. I just want you to know that. You'll start off with a narrow view. And I can't really say um, on a podcast why I believe that. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a lot uh, wider as far as extremity from point A to point B. Now, um, you have to understand that. Now, I believe this is interesting, just throwing this out, that the, the, the Norsemen actually came from the Western lands. And I can't, I can't prove that. Um, Eric believes that. Um, that's an interesting subject in itself. But um, the reason I point that out is because, see, at one time, you could literally sail from the Western lands and land on Midgard and um, walk across what we call Antarctica. But you can't do it now because it's, it's too much ice. Mm-hmm. So you have to ask yourself, how, if, if that's true, or if anybody ever uh, arrives from uh any of these other lands. Because you got to understand that, see, wherever you're going to place Noah, at the very least, his ancestors were obviously in Eden. So if you go with the model that we're presenting, somebody had to cross that great sea. Right. You see that? Mm-hmm. So somebody had to do it. So when they came to Midgard, were they, were they confronted with a... Uh, a wall of ice? No. Mm-hmm. You walk across it. Mm-hmm. And I actually... Now, I'm not sure. Um, it's possible that that ice was there earlier than the Arctic ice cap. I'm not sure. I think if... I think... Now, hold it here. I don't know. I also wanted to say earlier that uh, I, I don't think it's just it's either ice or mountains. I think it's both. Yeah. It's both yeah. mountainous and mm-hmm. uh, it's ice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there's probably, um, there's a path that you can choose through there that's most advantageous and you have to have secret knowledge because if you didn't know that path, you might just perish trying to get through it even without the ice. Right. People probably used to have secret knowledge. Yeah, I think God probably, God probably put it there. There's a route, you know. Mm. By the way, you actually have that um, in Antarctica, supposedly, according to what they tell us, and it may be a, kind of a parody of that. This is where you have the warm water lakes and stuff like that. Mm. I was watching a uh, a movie after uh, we had a discussion about the Nazis and the concave earth theory, which we haven't even mentioned yet. And it's called Iron Sky. Have you ever seen that? No. It's a, it's a comedy. I believe it was filmed in Finland. It was unwatchable to me. Um, I'm not too big on comedies. But it was about the Nazis going up to the moon and coming back to Earth in 2018. <laughs> I never, I didn't laugh at all all the way through it. I was like, oh, my God. This is horrible. But um, you have all these conspiracy theories, of course, about uh, the Nazis down there in Antarctica. What do you think about that? Uh, you can ask me a question. Mm, it's probably all made up, to be honest. Really? 
Well, see, yeah. that's the thing. You're dealing in probabilities. You know, we're not down there. Yeah. Now, what do you think about the Nazis being... I mean, I don't even know how much it, the Nazi stuff was even real, to be honest. I mean... Well, the other thing, you see, now, you know that they're creating Nazi mythology. Because, I mean, Nazis are so... I mean, it's so definitely a mythology they're promoting. Absolutely. For sure. Everywhere. And it's interesting to ponder, you know, why are they doing that? They're, they're demonizing Hitler. And see, now, as soon as you say they go, what? Demonizing Hitler as if, yeah, you know, if, if you don't say that he's the most evil person in world history, that's a bad thing. You're, you're a bad mm-hmm. person, Dave. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. You got the Antichrist theories and everything about him. Um, I don't want to go into all that. That's really just in a way. But what do you think about the uh, the South America stuff? South America stuff? Yeah, all the Nazi uh, stories about that. Uh, did I look really skeptical? What is the South America stuff? Well, the stories that they uh, they went to South America and uh, oh, the the whole like the, the, they met up with the monks and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, well, they're called Nazi survival myths. Yeah. yeah. I don't, again, I'm not too sure about that either. Yeah, well, it sounds like yeah. you haven't really seen that too much. I mean, there's so many, so much uh, areas of research, it takes a while to get around to it. You kind of prioritize what you think is the most important and then what you would more mostly interested in, you know what I mean? Yeah. And Larry, Scott, really, was Larry Scott, the guy that I used to hang around, I mean, he was huge into that stuff. The Nazi stuff. Uh-huh. The Nazi... Yeah, he's what he needs is, is more skepticism. Yeah. You have to question the source. Because <laughs> you can't prove the Nazis did anything. Yeah. At all. Nothing. You can't prove anything. <laughs> but now, I actually believe that they were down there. Now, this gets into the whole Ad- Admiral Byrd thing, too, you know. Have you looked into uh-huh. that at all? Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably fake. Well, I think it has an element of truth that he was a Freemason. And they try to present him in the uh, conspiracy community as one of us who was trying to get the truth out. Yeah. I mean, this was the number one guy that was chosen for certain projects before other people. I mean, at the very least, the guy had to be controlled. You know, so he's somebody you can trust, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, they have these stories that um, Admiral Byrd encountered the Nazis down there in Antarctica. <laughs> I mean, they may be true. It's just that the way they lie to us, you know, it's just like, um, I don't think I'm going to buy on that one. Yeah. I'll buy on that one. Well, anyway, we've got this uh, cosmology picture sitting in front of us, and uh, you can see that they make the mistake of a flat disc in the middle. Right. I'm not really sure what they're doing there. I don't even recognize the landscape. Now, it kind of looks like they've got an Oceanus around there. You see that? As far as the world encircling river. It probably encircles the whole thing. 
Yeah, I see you that. Yeah. See it in the front. They made it really small though. Cause they made that whatever land that is so huge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they don't have the uh, the sacred mountains in the east and the west. No. And uh, at first I thought yeah. they had these, these seven stars up there, but apparently those are just portals on the other side because Enoch does talk about these portals. Mm-hmm. But the main thing, I reason why I wanted to point that out is because um, you can see that it's an enclosed ecosphere. Right. right. You know? And that's what we're talking about when we talk about a concave model. So uh, when I mentioned, uh, you know, the cosmos within like a, within a context of concave, that's what I was talking about, you know, closed. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that are missing from that, though. Um, it's kind of unfortunate because... Um, I just wrote down in my notes yesterday that it would be fun to get somebody that um, knows how to play around with the computer imagery and actually create... Um, An accurate diagram? Yeah, a cosmological representation. Because I made a prophecy chart that was... I thought it was more complex than anybody out there so far. I did it way back in 1999 when I was a post-millennialist. And um, it was all you know computer imagery. Little icons and stuff we find on the computer somewhere. It's very complex. You know, it's actually too complex for people. Mm-hmm. We actually made like I think three of them, and the, and one of them was like more simple. You know, but you just look at it, and you just, your mind was just overwhelmed. You're going, whoa, you know. But it had like the Exodus and stuff in there. You know, I knew that kind of stuff way back then. We were kind of represented visually, but it would be really, really interesting to do that. Um, with the cosmology, because it's very difficult um, for people to conceptualize it. But, I mean, we, we actually communicated earlier. And so, see, the Western and Eastern land, you asked me if they were outside the firmament, but they're actually inside. So when you have, like, um, the Bible talks about the land of Nod, and it says that that was east of Eden, that would be actually, see, the firmament actually comes down and meets the earth like a corner, even though it's not a real corner. And um, the land of Nod would be towards the, the corner of the firmament. It would be an inferior land. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It would probably have less sunlight. Mm-hmm. And that's where Cain went, farther east, where it was inferior. You know? So you have to understand that um, if you go far enough east, like Enoch did, he actually passed through the portal, you could actually lean against um, the edge of it and kick back and uh, light up a cigarette. Yeah. yeah. You know I mean, it's at some point, you have to go with what you believe. Um, at some point, the firmament comes down and actually connects to the earth. And that's why you have this massive enclosure, which right. is um, essentially a machine. And it's rotating. It's rotating around the earth. Yeah, because now you can see it. Yeah. Um, why you would need to have that. It's not rotating around Midgard because it's not connected to Midgard. You see that? Right. That's why you need to see it visually. So this is helpful here. So um, now it's possible that the whole thing is moving. You see that? Both mm-hmm. the top and the bottom is moving. And then you wouldn't need to have this groove that I talked about, almost as if there's ball bearings. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Because it's important for people to conceptualize and understand that in the ancient world, the firmament was solid and then it rotated. Now, if you go outside and look up in the sky and someone actually gives you this mental suggestion, you can kind of visually see, you know, it looks like a big dome up there. And then you, you watch the stars and they move in an arc during the course of the night. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. They move in an arc. Now, the reason is, is because... Midgard is tilted. You see that? Because if it wasn't tilted, then they should be moving left to right, like in a straight line. And I also want to mention earlier that when you, as I digress, when you when you sun gaze and you look at the um, uh, the sun, and it always has less clouds than when it sets. That means something, because Eden, where it rises in the ancient cosmology, is a superior land. Okay. This is this is a whole subject in itself. But the 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 sun always moves to the right in a grand arc and then sets in the west, at least according to appearance because of the earth's tilt. But notice how it always goes to, to the right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You'll notice when you sun gaze, when you look at the sun in the morning, it moves to the right, just like all the stars move to the right. Now the reason is is because at least with the stars, it's because the firmament is rotating. And I think the sun just goes with that general motion of the stars. It doesn't, like, go the opposite way, you know what I mean? Because if you the sun, it's telling us people that, you know, I mean, it's not fixed in the firmament. If you're coming into this thing, you know, you're going, well, this, you're trying to say, Dave, the stars are fixed in the firmament? Yeah. Everybody pretty much believe that. Not all yeah. of them, though. Right. Um, but no, the sun, of course, is not. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I want, we want to talk about um, about the moon and what causes the, the, the lunar phases. But before I do that, remind me that in case I forget, because I already forgot one time. Um, in the ancient world, they had these seven primary stars. Have right. you, you come across that? And they represent that in Freemasonry, but when they show that, they're primarily focusing on the gods. That are identified with those seven stars. So this is the basic pre-Masonic pillar symbology, mm-hmm. and those two pillars represent um, Azazel and his consort, the Dark Goddess, which mm-hmm. something is almost impenetrable to Christians. Now, have you ever seen this mysterious third pillar? I've actually put it up on Facebook. Yeah, it's the, the, the third pillar. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. And then it will show you like they'll show you the sun and the moon. And then with hers, there's this mysterious star. (laughs) You're kind of scratching your head. Now sometimes they'll actually show you a goddess figure close to the pillar. And sometimes they'll show you different ones. And it's 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 always her. And because she changes so much, she's very mutable. It's her different aspects. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, let's go back to um, with the lunar phases. Now, one of the things that um, that I absolutely believe in this older uh, book called uh, I don't know, Zetetic Astronomy or something like that, mm-hmm. it, they give the explanation for the lunar phases. So here it is. So like you have like um, you know like a ball and uh, a, a dark black like plastic ball, yeah. and you take 
kind of luminous paint, and I think you paint half of it. And then you turn the lights off, um, but you're able to see this luminous paint. And as you turn it, you can actually duplicate the different phases of the moon. Now, I believe that only half of the moon is illuminated, and it's self-illuminated. In other words, it has its own light. They're lying for its light. Have you concluded that? It's actually luminous. Yeah, but, I mean, it turns. Well, let's stop and think for a moment and screw our brains on right here, okay? Um, everything is luminous. Period. Everything is light. So everything mm-hmm. is self-luminous. Mm-hmm. But then if you look at stars, this would be hard for most people, but because you start thinking, well, black sun, you know. No, no, no. Everything puts out a light, even a physical, quote-unquote, light. Right. It's a murky, it's a murky. So the dark stars put out a murky light, and, and that murky light may not be visible from Earth, because it's mm-hmm. hard to see, you know, a lot of the stars too. But they're still putting out, and, and this is the same thing with Azazel and Dark Goddess. Mm-hmm. They put out a, a light, and this is the concept for the Great Goddess, by the way. This is it's very complex stuff. <clears throat> so she has a murky quality to her. It's very variable. And um, right. I didn't answer your question about Kali, did I? <clears throat> oh, yeah, I did. But that shows you how they uh, represent her, how variable she is. She used to have more of a destructive, negative aspect. And uh, that's basically in the past. Mm-hmm. According to Persephone Myth, she was abducted, and uh, she became dark. You could, um, in an opening level, you could look at all this as just kind of a, a way, a mythological explanation for why you have devolution in the cosmos, you see. Because what you had, you had the introduction of um, of darkness, which is something that Christians don't understand, because it's a tangible subject. It has different qualities to it, just like the physical light. And there's a spiritual darkness, too, just like there's an unholy spirit, which they also don't comprehend. That's the spirit of Antichrist, by the way. That's what it is. Spirit of Christ is the opposite of the spirit of Christ, and the spirit of Christ is what? The Holy Spirit. You see? So that means, oh, okay, you've got Azazel, you got Satan, and there's an unholy spirit. So they don't understand any of these things, because right. they have lost knowledge. So we would expect these things. So when we look into these things, it's validating this overarching um, presupposition we have that we have massive lost knowledge in the ancient world, which we can actually prove because nobody's out there. You can't go out and just, well, you know, here's, uh, I'll give you $8,000 for, you know, uh, one of these uh, secrets of Adam. Is that, is that good enough, you know, 8000 bucks? No, you can't buy it. It's gone. So, I mean, there's no question. It's gone. And then you, you can see that people are not even thinking about it because they've been taken out. So, anyway, so um, the, uh, the Illuminati is telling us the truth that the Earth, that the moon is um, the dark side of the moon. I mean, it okay. turns uh, in place. Can I say it again? Does it? Does the moon turn? 
Now, this is where I run into problems, okay? I don't claim to understand everything. What I get tripped up on is it appears as if, you know, they call it the face on the moon, and it's always the same face. Yeah, right? that's what I'm saying, yeah. And that's what I get tripped up on. Yeah. That seems to contradict what I'm saying here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, you got to understand... Well, that has to do with eclipses. Um, we know they're lying about eclipses because you've got to have to go with what you believe. So once you reject what they're telling us, now you're going to reject the modern uh, geocentric model, which is very simplistic and modernistic, where you have everything um, revolving around the Earth. Right. But that's it. Mm-hmm. That's all you're going to acknowledge. Well, that, that's a bunch of garbage. Nobody believed that in the ancient world. In the ancient mm-hmm. world, the stars were small, and they revolved above the Earth. Right. Okay, so once you go with that model, and you commit to it, then you know they're lying to you about the, the solar and lunar eclipses, because they're saying that the um, the, the Earth is uh, in between two objects. Mm-hmm. You see that? Mm-hmm. Now, what's neat about the Zetetic Astronomy book, there's two of these books, by the way. I can't remember the name of the other one. They're similar. Is that they're actually saying that there's a mysterious, dark, celestial object that causes um, either the solar eclipse or the lunar eclipse. Now, I'm saying that the the lunar eclipse is caused by the dark moon, and the, uh, the solar eclipse is caused by uh, the dark sun. Mm-hmm. And there's all kinds of esoteric significance that if you have a background, it'll start rushing into your brain like, whoa, you know. This is why the Illuminati, you know, the whole thing is like sacred to them. You know, that, that's, you can always assume that that's a sacred time for them when there's an eclipse. And you, you can have uh, fake eclipses that are lunar just because you have a fake moon. Yeah, that's another subject we've talked about before, but it's not always the real moon. But, um, I don't have any. I, I believe the sun is sacred enough that God doesn't allow them to play games with it, and uh, they'd have problems doing that anyway. Not that they couldn't, you know. It'd be hard to manufacture a heat source. I think they could probably pull it off, but so. Anyway, um, do you understand um, what causes the eclipses now and how they're yeah. lying to it? Yeah. Yeah. Now, so you have to uh, you have to come up with a source because it's not the Earth. So what is it? Mm-hmm. Okay. And when you when you when you ponder these things deeply, um, if you can keep going forward without collapsing mentally, because uh, it's a labyrinth that you have to wander through, and it's difficult because people will drop out and say, ah, "It's too much for me. I can't understand it." Um, but you can understand that that is actually an indirect verification uh, of the dark sun. Does it make sense that the dark sun would actually be involved with it, you know? So I haven't fully... um, I don't fully understand um, the lunar phases, although the um, the illuminated uh, orb in a dark room makes perfect sense to me. I can't seem to reconcile it, though, with um, 
Now, you have, I could always say that they're projecting a false face upon the moon in order to um, deceive us into... Now, see, the, the, the moon must be turning for this to work. See what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And so the way that you perceive... The moon is always the same. You know, it's an orb. Right. And, but uh, half of it is illuminated and half of it isn't. And God put this, put this up there to communicate something, by the way. It actually has to do with the nature of women, by the way, according to my belief, uh, which is um, highly changeable. And uh, if people have a problem with that, that's because they don't know their scriptures, because two different times in the Bible, it refers to the moon as her. It's right. a, we've so overreacted to this whole feminine thing. We don't allow anything feminine anywhere. Nothing. Mm-hmm. No consort for the Antichrist, no consort for Azazel. And um, and you get to be fat and sick unless you're in the Eastern Church or Roman Catholicism and they give you the Virgin Mary. That's all you're going to get. And we believe that's a psyop to get people to, to make it as difficult as possible for Israel, because that's who we are. This has to do with absorption theory. That all of us, in some sense, are Israelites. It's just that we don't understand how. He knows the bloodline. Um, it can be any bloodline, be Israel, but there's different tiers. Um, to get us to reject our coming queen, which the Bible explicitly illustrates in Psalm 45, that is not Israel or the church marrying Jesus. That's not what's going on there. That's a real wedding. It's unfulfilled. It's a prophecy. It's a real palace. And there's two different groups of females there. <clears throat> and that's one of the easy ways to show that the uh, the queen there, some translations say queen, others say princess, is an actual historical woman. Now, see, if you look at things from a conspiratorial perspective, if there was a, a coming queen that is comparable with Eve and Semiramis, I use her deliberately, she was the greatest female sovereign in world history, according to what I believe. Um, do you think they might want to cover that up? Mm-hmm. You know, of course they would. They always do that. So that's what they did. So if you go with that theory, now you're going, okay, now let's look around to see where they've done this. And what do you see? You see a cover-up everywhere. And you look at those two dad points data points I, I pointed out, you can see how the Christian mind cannot function. You know, why are we simplistically thinking across the board that Azazel doesn't have a consort? Is it, that something you can prove? You know what I mean? Why don't we allow the Antichrist to have a consort? You can see that the mind is disjointed there. And there's a prevenient cause for everything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But someone has been manipulating things and uh, directing our thinking. And what they're doing is they're directing our thinking away from certain things they don't want us to think about at all. Mm-hmm. Um, to make it as difficult as possible to receive her. Because I believe that she's the greatest, as far as power. Well, if you just look at one thing, okay? There's a lack of knowledge about the uh, 
they call him the earthy messiah, the Davidic prince. But if, if, you, if you have knowledge, you can see that um, he's called David in Psalm 89, and I believe that he's um, David returning from the dead, and I'll explain how that's possible. But it actually says there that he is the greatest of the kings of the earth, and if you understand it correctly, it's talking about world history. He's the greatest king in world history. You see, Christ is never ruled as an earthly king. He became king when he went um, uh, to heaven. He had three messianic offices. He was a prophet on earth, and he became a priest king, according to like Michaelic priesthood, when he ascended on high and he was glorified. This guy is the greatest king in world history. Now, the reason I mention that is um, she has to be comparable to him. So because he is so lofty, that's the basic argument for going, aha, look how great she's going to be. Because she has to be com- compatible with him. You see that? Very simple. And these things are not even being talked about. So That's a different subject, but it's very important. Because it shows you that... Um, our minds are being directed elsewhere. Because do you see an intelligent discussion about the possibility that Psalm 45 could be referring to a historical woman instead of a mystical marriage? No. No discussion. Remember what we talked about earlier? When you Sometimes you'll see no discussion. Mm-hmm. You turn on CNN and they'll have a, a couple of actors and they both hold to a uh, the same belief system. They're both Satanists. And uh, their parents raised them in Illuminati, and they said, you know, you're going to be a Republican when you grow up, and you're going to be a Democrat. You're going to be a politician. That's what you're going to do. They may even have a demon that will manifest and go, this is he's going to be anointing for this or that, you know. <clears throat> and they're in there in this great big debate, you know. They don't believe any of this stuff. It's just a complete act. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So those are the kind of structured debates that we get. But those are the things that they want us to think about. But other times, um, just like, you know, well, why they gave us a perfectly spherical earth, they do not want us debating or contemplating about the true curvature of the earth. Because you could, uh, the curvature could increase over time, and then what are you going to have now? You're going to have some dome earth theories. Well, we don't want that. You see that? So when you see these patterns of propaganda, you go, well, they're, they're trying to cover that up. Because how many times have you seen anything but a perfect sphere in Hollywood? Movies, you know? <clears throat> and then when you watch 2012, they've got that uh, crazed conspiracy researcher. Did you ever see the movie 2012? <laughs> you haven't seen that? No, I didn't. Uh, that's worth watching. Okay. That's actually worth watching, yeah. And um, they're making fun of him, just like they did with uh, Mel Gibson in the movie uh, Conspiracy Theory. That's when they really got going with this kind of stuff, you know? I mean, they actually put that phrase right in the title of a movie, you know? And, you know, he was out of his mind. He was a lunatic. And um, they did the same thing with this guy. He's a conspiracy theorist, you know, researcher, but he has this little uh, conspiracy um, film that he made, like a, you know, like a YouTube video, and they actually show the Earth as an oblate spheroid. 
it's amazing um, how many times they will show like these older films. I think like Universal Pictures. The old ones they would uh, at the very beginning of the movie they would show the Earth and actually have like a plane going around. It's a perfect sphere and it's rotating. You know, <clears throat> that's you know we call that psychic driving or repetition propaganda. But it's amazing because if you look at the end of these uh, Universal films. <clears throat> They'll actually show what I believe is the Earth is an oak lady spheroid. You ever know that? Mm-hmm. You, you know that image I'm talking about? No. Uh, well, you know what an oak lady spheroid looks like, uh, you know, one-dimensionally. Uh-huh. They have a little grid system on it, and they, you've seen this over and over again. Everybody's seen it. They show you right at the end of the movie. Another thing I want to point out, uh, since it's related to that, is that, um, you know, it's just like when I sun gaze, well, I can't talk about that, so I'll have to say that for later, but uh, there's things that the, the mind can't register, even though they're right in front of you, you know, I proved that myself. But um, if you look at the uh, United Nations insignia, because people don't have the uh, appropriate... Uh, model to uh, process what they're looking at, you know, they're not considering a domed earth model. They look at that and they go, oh, that's, they're telling us that it's really a flat earth. Do you know what I'm talking about here, the U.S. Yeah. United yeah. Nations? Now, if you look at that, you can see that that is a domed earth. It's not a flat earth. Isn't that fascinating? Well, I was actually looking at it when I was looking at the concave stuff, and I was like, Does it, is it really showing it's domed, or is it showing that the continents are curving uh, like it's concave? I couldn't really tell. Huh. So anyway, you have uh, bought into um, the domed Earth model, right? Uh, I don't yeah. The theory. Mm-hmm. And you believe, like the ancients do, that it's um, immersed in this cosmic sea? Yes. Um, do you think it's floating? No. Uh-huh. And you believe in a solid firmament? Yes. Now, here's where it really gets fantastic. Do you actually believe that the, you don't believe in, we'll call it the planet theory, just to irritate people? No. You know, um, What can we do to absolutely prove that planets exist? You know what the answer is? A big fat zero. Yeah. Now, see, when we say proof, without qualifying that word, either proof or prove, you're talking absolute proof. So you've got the same problem as trying to prove, absolute proof now, uh, the true structure of the earth is viewed from above. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. You see? So you have to deal with probabilities. And see, now here's the thing this is why devolution was a very holistic philosophy. It's so important. Because once you buy into that, then you've got to apply it. This is what I believe. This is what I believe is the truth. Does Illuminati talk about it? No. What does that tell you? Okay. No article on Wikipedia. So you have um, a devolution, a degeneration of knowledge 
So based on that, you're going to go in the hole to hear it. The ancient cosmologies are going to become very important. And then when you add in the biblical factor, the biblical factor is important because that is going to tell you that there was originally a pristine source of information and everybody believed the same thing at one time, mm-hmm. as long as you go back far enough. And then over time, you have deterioration, and uh, you have a multiplicity of, of opinion develops, and you have confusion. That's what we have. Mm-hmm. And we have all these self-appointed uh, experts with plaques on the wall. And uh, <clears throat> well, I have a doctorate. So if I write a book... I'm going to have all these people following me around and, you know, that kind of that kind of mentality. No. All you've done is um, absorb and internalize propaganda more effectively, both quantitatively and qualitatively, than other people out there. Mm-hmm. Qualitatively, because you focused on it. That was your career. And it's all about money and security. You just believed what you were told. With no significant critical thinking, you know. So I don't want to talk about this. You know what I'm not supposed to talk about. But we believe that something's going to happen that we can reveal that will collapse this kind of thinking. And people will be forced to reexamine all these institutions. They'll have to go down to ground zero. The, 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 the media fakery guys are actually um, working away at this. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we've already discovered something which you don't want to talk about yet um, that you can see in the sky. You can't see it. You can see it in the day or you can see it at night. But it's there, and every person that I've shown this to has seen it if they've tried. And uh, once you see it, it will collapse your present view of reality. And most people, when they see it, they don't understand that um, all their institutions just collapsed. You know, mm-hmm. scientific institutions. Because, uh, obviously, they're either ignorant of this reality or they're suppressing the information. And it's, it's both, not either or. Mm-hmm. So that means they're not trustworthy anymore. Well, the problem is our whole society is institutionalized. So now you have to go with a non-institutionalized model and go, who do we trust? See, that's where the uh, media fakery guys are at right now. Where's the truth? Who do we believe? Because they don't trust any of these people. You know what I mean? (laughs) That explains why it's easy for them to reject evolution. Because you look around and you think critically just a little bit, you say, no, evolution is being pushed where? Um, In our institutions of lower learning, you know, well, sometimes it is lower learning, like middle school, you know, but, um, and who controls that curriculum? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so they, even though they're highly skeptical about the Bible, they know there's no way that evolution could possibly be true because that is obviously propaganda. So then they're like, well, what is the truth? Because, see, they've absorbed so much propaganda unknowingly. To get them to reject um, the ancient belief system, and not just on my cosmology, we're talking about celestial beings. 
see how difficult it is for them to believe? Because they say, well, how can you prove that? You say, they want to, that's the problem, you see. You're going to run into problems once you think that you have to prove everything. So, like yeah. I said before, it comes down to your relationship. And I don't have to prove this relationship with anybody else. That's not a burden that I have. That's a false burden that's been put upon us. And uh, and it has to do with trust. And it has to do with trust of information. And the more you look at the big picture, the more it helps. For instance, we talk about devolution. So people are getting stupider and stupider and stupider, and you have a sovereign God. Well, this is his plan. He's planning to make everybody stupid. You see this sign in the sky, and you're going to hold it here. There's no way that people didn't know this at one time. They had to be common knowledge. So what happened? Well, see, that proves devolution too. But also proves that God made humanity stupid individually. And we all use the Illuminati to do it. You know, he works through secondary causes and uh, earthly institutions and hierarchies. But it's obvious that God did this. And he concealed it from his own people. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, God would never do something like that. You know what I mean? Well, it's too late for that. He already did. And if you see the sign in the sky, see, I've got a whole list of things that you can conclude. They follow by logical necessity. The average person, when they see it, they don't realize that, oh, you also have to believe this now. You also have to believe this. Like I was explaining to a lady on Facebook, um, you cannot believe that the um, that the Earth revolves around the sun anymore. You see, because the sun in the sky absolutely proves. Don't you agree? That the sun has to be small. It has to be relatively close to the Earth, right? Right. Right. Um, as well as the moon, they're the same size as far as we can see in the sky despite what their propaganda says. And so basically, there's no room for a heliocentric model because the Earth is too big in relationship to the Sun. So therefore, the, the Earth, which is big, cannot be revolving around the Sun, which is small. This is completely ludicrous. But see, the programming is so strong, the person... Well, that's, that's the problem. You've been brainwashed... And your programming actually has to break down categorically, one category after another. Mm-hmm. And um, for a lot of people, this is, is very difficult psychologically, emotionally, because you're going to become a societal freak. It comes down to all kinds of interesting issues, by the way. Like, how do I get a date? <laughs> 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 Let me go to the Flat Earth Forum, and uh, maybe I can interest somebody with the uh, Dogger theory. And say, oh, this guy, he sounds like he's okay. I'll give him a, a shot, even though I'm a Flyers chick. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the result of their um, social engineering, you see. They radicalize the truth to such an extreme. Yeah. You look like a complete freakoid in society. <laughs> Yeah. And so you're on Facebook, and you're going, do I want to talk about this? Now, you will see my complete and utter apathy about trying to communicate this stuff to people because we got two Facebook groups. I got a secret one, or non-public one. You can see that I'm totally apathetic. 
if Connie was there, I would be acting a lot differently. I keep I keep trying to get her back on the Facebook because I was very active when she was there. But I mean, these are people who have not even taken the time to listen to one of our podcasts, you know. And of course, if I start talking about the Dolander theory and uh, all this cosmic ghost, they're going to go, what? You know, and um, start asking questions and believing what science tells them. And I'm not going to be, you know, motivated to sit there and type away for people that cannot get motivated to listen to a single podcast? No. You know? Um, well, there's other things I could do, but um, that's my response is just what to right now, just like you, nothing. <laughs> um, that podcast is, or that, that uh, Facebook group is, is actually there for the podcast. So that's the problem. You got people who don't listen to podcasts. So. Yeah. I would have to say, I mean, I've never promoted our podcast. So I guess this is like a promotion. Now, I'm actually on record. And if I ever get on fake all of this, I'll actually tell them, do not listen to our podcast. But I've already done that before. Do not listen to our podcast. Um, it will sound egocentric if I explain why not to listen to it. But if you just look at the titles of some of our podcasts, we're clearly talking about things that other people don't talk about at all. And uh, there's different levels of knowledge, and people don't like to talk about that. We're all on the same, no, 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 we're not on the same level. This is basically over your head, you know. And it will sound utterly fantastic because you don't have any point of reference to even be making judgments about it because you don't even, you know, what do you know about a dome or theory or a cosmic seed? You don't know anything. So are you going to pontificate about my errors because you don't know anything about ancient cosmology? But see, people... Like I said before, modern man, he doesn't have natural humility. You see it all over Facebook. Now, here's what I know, and here's why you're wrong, you know. And all you see is a bunch of confused people wandering through a dark labyrinth. And I have to say that I have finally been, been encouraged significantly. Something finally happened. I always used to be so apathetic. You always have this urge to, like... Uh, Wake up, you sleepers, you know, rise from the dead, you know. <clears throat> and then you you tell yourself, you can't wake them up. And then you, you know, people talk on podcasts, are they waking up? And people will say, well, kind of, sort of, but it's not significant. That's kind of been my view. But I have to tell you, I ran across a, um, an article on uh, the Internet, your standard type, mind control media, and uh, I have all these folders and stuff like that, like, for instance, on health, and so uh, I have one for, uh, you know, propaganda, health propaganda, I mean, the obvious stuff, and a lot of it is kind of funny, you know, humorous, and so what they were telling you is that um, they have this new vaccine, I mean, this is funny, if you have knowledge, uh, to prevent you from getting... Um, uh, I've got a mind blank here. What's autism? <laughs> wow. <laughs> they got vaccines for their vaccines now? What's that? They got vaccines for their vaccines now? That's what they do, you know. They give you yeah. another poison to 
because the first poison is killing you. So here's another uh, poison to kill yeah. you even faster. But we're going to tell you that it's going to cure you of um, the earlier poison we gave you. Mm-hmm. And all you do is just spiral down every time you go to a doctor. visit. You know, it's a stupidity test. Yeah. And you're supposed to figure it out. People don't listen to their bodies. If they just did one thing, pay attention that all you ever do is just get worse when you go to yeah. the they don't know what it's like to get better. So that's, they don't really have a reference point. But anyway, I was absolutely shocked because they have all these comments on it, like Marcus Allen will talk about stuff like that. I don't really get into that kind of stuff, you know. <clears throat> and I've noticed him, he said that, you know, you can see the people waking up. Well, I was actually shocked because unless this was all artificial and I actually came up with a conspiracy theory, like it could all be fake, you know what I mean? But... There was nobody that was having it, man. They were all saying that, you know, this is a conspiracy and all this, you know. I think one person, I'm not even sure because I just kind of glanced over it, but I was like, whoa, it was all these comments. I've never seen anything like this before. That kind of thing was not happening like five years ago. I mean, just nobody was believing it, you know, because these, all you got to do is just hang out on Facebook and just not be you know, like on total mind control. You know, like you have no friends that are alternative to anything? Just sit there and just do nothing. You're exposed to alternative information now just on Facebook. Now, a lot of it is just this info, but it's still like alternative type thinking mm-hmm. outside the box. You know, do something outside the box. Just do anything. Because you have some people just believe everything you're told and never question anything. And these are what we call good Christians. And uh, Pastor Billy Bob, you know, he's an expert. He went to four years of Bible school. Maybe just two years, that's good enough. Anyway, yeah, so um, I've changed my mind. There is a significant, well, here's the thing. Um, I've spent a lot of time on this. So... Every astrological age has its own unique energy signature and man is an electrical being. So just like you have these cosmic energies, which Christians don't believe in, that are streaming down from the stars and the moon and the sun. They have a tremendous effect on you, whether you believe it or not. It doesn't matter. Same thing with each astrological age, you see. So there's, there's good energy. And there's bad energy, and there's a mixture of both. And it has to do with these energy signatures of these astrological ages. Well, I said earlier that what is, I mean, if you can, it's too bad that I can't prove this. What we need is a messianic figure. I believe we're going to get one. A messianic figure that's going to come along, and there's going to be so many signs and wonders that, you know, because how, see, how can you restore this lost knowledge? We've got this big problem now. You see, but that's what the media fakery group is illustrating. This comes down to a philosophical conundrum of how do we know anything's true? Who can we trust? So God is going to have to circumvent this massive problem we have by giving us an authoritative teacher. And the Bible actually says that he's going to come, you see. Now, I believe the Elijah figure is the same guy as the Davidic figure, because you could talk to the theory they're two different people. But see, now the Bible says Elijah is going to come and restore everything. Well, if he restores everything, that's a pretty big indicator that he 
is the big figure. And this earthly Messiah is actually the closest type of Christ in all of Scripture. So he's the only one that holds these three messianic offices of prophet, priest, and king, just like Christ himself. He's like a little Christ. You know what I mean? And um, the Bible teaches this. Because if you go to um, Hebrews chapter 7, it's comparing Jesus, the Son of God, to Melchizedek. And this unique office of a priest king, which is actually two offices, and then it says, the church ignores this, and it says what we have said is even more true if another one, like Melchizedek, comes along. And see, their brain doesn't process that. They don't understand. But they're talking about someone besides Jesus now. Don't you get it? Mm-hmm. And they're pointing back to Psalm 110, which talks about this Melchizedek dual office. And that passage is referring to both of these figures because if you look at the... Um, <clears throat> I call them messianic scriptures because I have my own terminology. Because, see, once you have, you realize that there's this messianic figure that's the greatest king in world history, <clears throat> where Illuminati has gone to great lengths to cover us, it's not helping because God, as a general rule, is concealing him, then uh, you're going to have a lot of problems. So you go to the, uh, uh, what I'm trying to say, young, um, you go to certain Psalms and you say, well, this is David here. But then we also believe that it's Christ. So it's overlaid. So you already have, they're called Davidic Psalms. They're referring to two people. And they say, well, this is because David is a type of Christ. Now, I'm saying that David is basically going to be, uh, quote, unquote, resurrected. I believe he's born as a man. I'm using resurrected kind of like the most, not ultra literally. And I base this on scripture. Because I believe it says, in a number of places, that's actually King David. So that illustrates it even better. Yes, it's talking about David, and it's talking about Christ, and it's talking about David coming back. That's the secret to the whole thing. Now, you don't have to believe that, that it's actually King David. Mm-hmm. But um, So you have these psalms that refer to what I call the earthly Messiah and the heavenly Messiah. And the church doesn't know this because they are only thinking of it Heavenly Messiah. And so if you look at Psalm 110, very last verse, it says, He will drink from a brook beside the way. Now, if you look at pretty much everything before that, you don't have a problem saying that's referring to a heavenly Christ, except when you get there. That is the key to illustrate this is talking about two different people. In other words, you would have one scripture that refers to both, you know, have another scripture that refers to the heavenly Christ, another scripture that refers to the earthly Christ. And if that kind of thing is going on, which it is in Isaiah, things get very complex very quickly. Because you actually have to have, ultimately, revelation to figure out what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. And the proof for that <clears throat> is examining the book of Isaiah, because it has all kinds, it's a unique book. It has all kinds of double fulfillments and prophetic leaps. And it's so complex that you have to have revelation and actually believe that that book is designed for the uh, Elijah figure to interpret. 
I don't believe that anybody there's too much lost knowledge. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now we all we have we have these great theories, you know. Based on all the information that we have, the problem is too many times we have insufficient um information and we literally we can't know. Mm-hmm. See, we we don't like to acknowledge that. So um He's on the way. I believe he's here. And I believe his queen is here. And anyway, going back to these astrological ages, um, the age of Aquarius has a unique energy signature. There's many indications of this. And people could say that we're just seeing what we want to see. But um, this all has to do with, you know, when it actually arrived and this big psyop that they had in 2012. It's, this is, talked about it before. They literally created a list of like 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 things that, you know, you're supposed to expect in the year 2012, and none of them happened. Surprise, surprise, you know. And so you're supposed to throw the baby out with the bathwater. That, oh, well, nothing happened at all. I don't know how many podcasts I've listened to. Well, nothing happened. It was all a big joke from Illuminati, you know what I mean? Sure. No, they tricked you. Now, this is what I believe. You know what I mean? Certainly, the age of Aquarius rod is relatively new, and it has a different energy signature, and the energy is ascending. It's not static. There's a flux. It's improving. It's affecting our minds. And I'm looking around, and I am seeing change in people that I did not see before. And... um Nobody's going to really listen to this. Just an interesting idea. When that person comes, he's the one that's going to be able to authoritatively say, we are in a new age. And uh, that's very important. And the reason it's so important is because this is the first time that we have a long trend upswing of, of positivity in the long term. Uh since, uh, and this is what I believe, and this is what I believe the Illuminati believes, that there was an era before Adam, pre-Adamic age, which was long, and not too long, not like you know, billions of years, something like that. And um, I believe it was less than 150,000 years long. And um, back then, darkness was confined. Right. Physical and spiritual darkness. It was confined to a region, and that was the underworld, and it got leaked out. Mm-hmm. And uh, the stories about, um, which were actually were in the ancient mystery schools, about uh, Persephone and, and, and Pandora. Everybody knows the story about Pandora's box. And she's the same figure. It's just communicating something different, a different aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, that's communicating what happened. See, there was already a problem before Adam. Right? You had, you had a devil. Where'd he come from? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's one of few possibilities. Um, because most people believe in a fallen Satan uh, theory. You know, because I don't believe that's in the Bible anymore. Um, I don't believe he was dark through all eternity. There's a media position where God made him dark. Uh, so he could partake in this drama. Somebody had to be the adversary, you know. So, you know, we're going to make you dark. God would never do that. Well, too late for that here, but he did. You know, Proverbs um, 16.4 says that God made everything for himself, 
even the wicked for the day of evil. Mm. I mean, God made the day of evil. He made the wicked. He made them dark. And their sins are assigned just like um, spiritual gifts are prepared beforehand uh, for God's people according to Ephesians chapter 2. You know, it's everything is appointed. It's all scripted. Right. It's absolutely unnecessary in this uh, perception of world history, redemptive history, uh, free will is entirely unnecessary. It's unnecessary. God's just trying to illustrate something. We all participate. We're all given roles. That's what it's all about. So you don't hear people talking about that. If that's, if that's what's going on, oh, well, I guess maybe that is possible. It's the ego and pride of man that says, oh, no, 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 we're not going to allow that kind of thing. So, yeah, I believe that if you look around, you will actually see increasing signs that people are, quote, unquote, waking up. And um, the energetic environment is going to improve. Now, I've talked about some fantastic things on this podcast before. One of the most fantastic things is this um, This earthly prince is going to emerge on the world scene, I believe relatively soon. And I actually believe that the Illuminati are going to prostrate themselves before him. And that is one of the most fantastic things that you can talk about. The reason is, is because if that is true, then many other things are going to follow. And you can just speculate to your heart's content. Um... For instance, will there be cell phone towers? Will there be uh, chemtrails? We've had all this ongoing discussion. This discussion is not going on right now. When he appears, everyone will go, is he going to do this? Is he going to do that? Please, please come to us. Please help us. You know what I mean? And people are getting revelation in the background <clears throat> of what's going to happen. Actually, specific things. One of them is he's going to help Africa more than America. Because there's a, an agenda that cannot be reversed uh, that has to do with judgment upon America. It's too late. Actually, you know, if you understand how you know reality operates, it's not like you can pray it away. Mm-hmm. The only prayers that get answered, and this is what Scripture teaches, is those that are in accordance with the will of God. Right, yeah. And uh, prayer is something that has to do with participation in a grand scheme. The Holy Spirit moves through you. Mm-hmm. If you can move God to bend to your will, then you're going to have a uh, chaotic universe. And you yeah. can't have one plan. Mm-hmm. The only way you can have one plan is if God orders it all across the board um, including all secondary causes. They're all working mm-hmm. up to one great end. The Bible talks about a point end, and that's why all the secondary causes have to be fixed. Because otherwise, right. the point the end can't be a point and have to be variable, and God has to have a multiplicity of, pan, of plans. And the human will of man is actually impeding <clears throat> the will of God every nanosecond, all day long around the world. God says, okay, you did that, I'm going to do this now. And God, notice how God is always responding to man now in, in this scenario. He can't determine anything because who knows what man's going to do next. You know? mm-hmm. 
completely insanity. <clears throat> and so uh, I said before that uh, one of the ways you can prove that that's not true is uh, the unbelievable complexity of um, typology, which most Christians are never really exposed to. It's all through the Bible, you know, in the Old Testament. Um, that's a biblical science in itself, a discipline. And uh, it's a very sensitive one because you can get over sensationalized. It's, you can't really determine things through typology. It kind of bolsters things that you already know are true. But there's so much complexity to it. You know, just focusing on all these um, ancient patriarchs that prefigured Christ. I mean, basically all scholars believe that kind of thing. I mean, <clears throat> right? It's amazing how much information is in there. And so that all has to be controlled information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And now the Bible actually talks about this in 1 Corinthians 10. It uses the word typos. That's where we get the word type in English. It talks about typology. It talks about you know, when Israel went through the Red Sea, it was like a type of baptism that had to do with us in some mysterious way. You know, you can't figure it out. You're just going, what? He says they were baptized into Moses. You know, what the heck is that about? Well, it just shows you we have lost knowledge. We don't have Paul here now, you know. We ask you that one, Paul, you know. Mm-hmm. You have all kinds of questions. We're not getting these questions asked, you know, answered. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm not going to tell you about Michalcevic in Hebrews 5 because you um, <clears throat> you don't qualify. Did we? No. He didn't tell us either. I guess we don't know everything. But they tell us that we do. Okay. See how um, the Illuminati <clears throat> wants us to believe in certainty? Christian. Mm-hmm. Because then you're not asking, you're not seeking, you're not researching. Oh, just plug into the system. Because the pastor is basically, he's a CEO. And uh, I mean, legally in the court of law, your local church is a, it's a corporation. Yeah. And that's, not, that's not theory. So, um, I don't know. I mean, there's hope for the future, the immediate future. The problem is you can't prove these things about these ages. There's too much knowledge has been lost. But um, um, see, that's again the sign in the sky. That's what we call it. It's sitting right there. That will tell you that change is imminent. How? Because they're creating YouTube videos about this. How long is this going to keep stay under the carpet? Mm-hmm. can't be much longer. And so, you know, unless you're a preterist or you hold to an ant- antiquated historical view, a prophecy that uh, the book of Revelation is unfolding over the centuries, or you're an idealist where you spiritualize all of it and has nothing to do with history, you're holding to some kind of futuristic interpretation, even if you're like me and I hold to a middle view between preterism and futurism. So you're believing that things are imminent. So if things are imminent, you've got to go with what you believe, remember? So if you believe that Ezekiel 45.22 cannot refer to Christ because his figure is making sacrifices for his own sins, then you believe that um, there's a coming Davidic prince. And because you already believe that things are imminent, and, you know, generation, generation after generation believes they were imminent and they were all wrong. 
Does that mean that this generation has to be wrong? No, that's illogical. What it means is that um, they were inching closer to it happening eventually. Every day that goes by, you get apathetic, you know, because people are talking about Bible prophecy big time. Mark of the Beast, way back in the 1970s. You know, nothing happened. So you just get apathetic. Ah, oh, you know, just forget by law. Just go back to television. No. We're closer than we've ever been before. And so if you believe that things are imminent and you believe that this today prince is a genuine historical figure, just like his queen in Psalm 45, that means he's here. Okay? So his appearance is going to be contemporaneous with this sign in the sky. You, there's no way that that thing is going to be a secret that much longer. And I believe that um, the things that you see on YouTube is actually damage control. Uh, trying to talk about, oh, well, this is holographic, and that's holographic, you know, holographic moon and holographic cloud. We're not really sure. We're just kind of scratching our heads, you know. I think they're, they're prepping people. You see, that's the problem. When this guy shows up, he's going to be authoritative. And so you either receive him or you reject him. You really think he's not going to talk about this? Of course he is, because everybody else is going to be talking about it. The whole world is going to be talking about we've been lied to on a massive scale and we don't know what to believe anymore. They didn't have to do this. You know that? Mm-hmm. And when they did it, they knew that it would be eventually exposed. So they will sacrifice their own institutions. See, I've already thought this all out. A lot of these things are obvious. You just have to think about it. And if you, if you present it, you go, that makes sense. That makes sense. They would, you know, the true elites that are down there in subterranean, they don't, they don't want nothing to do. They're not going to show up and go, hey, we apologize, everybody. I'm sorry we created these institutions to trick you, some massive historical psyop. No. They're going to um, sacrifice their institutions, which they created knowing that they would be exposed, and they will have to be the scapegoats. And the unknown gray men will get off um, scot free as usual until this battle of Gog and Magog that people are confused about which takes place at the end of the Exodus, which has not even happened yet, according to Ezekiel 38, when Israel's restored. That's where they're going to be defeated. <clears throat> and I actually believe that's a cosmological battle where you're actually going to have heavenly forces battling people. You know, it's a cosmic battle. It's not just... But I think that's what happened in the uh, first century, too. Yeah. And it's interesting, you see this pattern which people don't realize how many times this goes on, as above, so below. I mean, you can actually prove that. You'll see these wars in heaven. And then uh, at that approximate time, there's some kind of war that takes place on earth. That's what you see there in Revelation 12. People get confused. They try to place it all in the future. <clears throat> And they're so confused that, that, that almost all pastors will take, I believe it's Revelation 12:3, or it could be verse 2, where it talks about a third of the stars fell. Isn't it true, Chris, that um, they always try to place that in the distant past and relate that to uh, Genesis 6? Yeah, yeah. 
and yet they will come right out, the same morons, and try to say that, um, number one, the book of Revelation is all future. You just refuse yourself. Number two, it's all linear, chronological. That can't possibly be true. Look at the early part of Revelation 12. Isn't that talking about the birth of Christ? What is wrong with you people? So how can the whole book be linear? Well, it can't be. So that means that um, there's probably cycles within it. Just happy what there are. There's either six or there's seven. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you know, these pre-tribulationalists, <clears throat> they have to get the church raptured. They have the seven-year tribulation period. So they're basically forced to get the church up into the sky early in the book of Revelation, and that's exactly what they do. When this voice speaks to John and says, come up here, they say, oh, that's the church being raptured. Because if you don't do that, you've got nothing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, 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 that's like a Jehovah's Witness exegesis. That, that's wretched. You know? Yeah. But that's the common view. That's what you're supposed to believe. Facebook eschatology. Yeah. Everybody's all these pre-trib people. You don't believe in the rapture? (laughs) If you ask these people, can can you describe um, just the most simple, basic um, elements of amillennialism to me? Mm -hmm. What's that mean? Okay. How about amillennialism? I've never heard of that word before. Do you know what a preterist is? A what? Yeah. These people have only been exposed to one view, and then they, and then they'll think, oh, well, the post-trib view, that's so radical. God <laughs> has his own people go through the tribulation? I thought the uh, Egyptians were in captivity for 400 years. Yeah. I actually don't think it was all that bad in the latter part, though. But, uh, I mean, God does these kind of things, man. I mean, it's, you know, what this reality has to do with this, this, this relates to uh, devolution. Is the word suffering? Yeah. People are in denial that there's holistic suffering going on all around us. We come down here to suffer and glorify God. That's basically in a nutshell. We don't have a choice. Mm hmm. And it's all designed to illustrate something. God wants to illustrate something in order to glorify himself. In order for that to happen, guess what? We have to suffer. It doesn't matter whether you're elect or reprobate. And you may suffer more, at least in this earthly life, if you're elect. Mm-hmm. And if you could just get out of your body for a couple of seconds, you would realize, oh, my God. That whole life was suffering. Just this huge weight that just gets lifted off you, and you get this. I believe you get this sudden awareness, like something that happens to some people artificially um, when they take uh, hallucinogen. Mm-hmm. You can have like a a mental shift and actually see things temporarily for what they are. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, man, people are functioning on just some massive weight of. Um, Illusion, mm-hmm. and uh, there's actually a passage that talks about this in the Bible. I'm going to read it. 
I mean, God's own people have a veil. You know, see, the problem is people don't know the true nature of Israel. You know what I mean? A simple way to say it is that Israel is the church. You know what I'm talking about church all the time? Well, Israel is church. That's what it is. You know, but uh, we are under, we have a veil over our own eyes. It talks about this three different times. It talks about it twice in the Apostolic Scriptures where it's pointing back to this psalm that David talked about where he's talking about a curse being upon his own people. It talks about let them be blinded. You know who that is? That's us. That's why we have this problem. That's why there's so much stupidity. So um, in Isaiah 25, verse 6, it says, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples. Now it says different things in different translations. But it's actually a veil, and the commentators, they don't have a problem saying that it's actually like a spiritual veil. It's over everybody. Mm-hmm. And I'm also saying that it's over um, God's people, you know. Um, there's another one, and this has to do with a, well, it actually has to do with a curse, which we don't talk about in Christianity. I've talked about that in a recent podcast, so... Uh, See, we're all under a curse. People, well, Jesus went to the cross. It's all better now. Uh, hold it. Wasn't that a chemtrail up in the sky? They're telling you that we're going to give you a vaccine so um, <clears throat> cure you of autism? <clears throat> That's a curse of stupidity if you believe that thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's actually somebody out there that's running down there to get their uh, vaccine <clears throat> because they're... Um, you know, some some people are very programmable. We call them, uh, we have a term that we call them hypnotics. Uh, there's a significant percentage of the populace that is easily programmable. They'll believe just by anything they're told, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, they can be easily manipulated. So... Isaiah 29, which I won't go into now, because I actually have before, but that's the chapter that actually talks about this. You have the first century parousia or parousia in Isaiah 29, uh, 6, where it says the Lord Almighty will come, and it talks about he's coming with the flames of a devouring fire. It's amazing how the Bible talks about this over and over again, Uh this cataclysm of fire. And if you actually look down um, the, the page a little bit, in Zephaniah uh, 2 and 3, it, it tells you the whole world is going to be uh, consumed with fire. It doesn't say that in uh, verse 2 and 3 in chapter 1. It tells you later. It says the whole world, you know. And um, so if you understand that, which people don't, that's the context there. And it says he's uh, going to put give you a deep sleep, he's going to seal your eyes of the prophets, and uh, and he goes on to actually, I believe, talk about the, the Latin Bible. We actually had a guy that got revelation on this. Um, how do you ever say names around here? Hector got a revelation on that. 
I sent him off on a little project to pray and see if he could get any information. It looks like that passage is talking about well, it's important to have the historical context. So this would be after the, the cataclysm, and what happened after that? People became illiterate, right? It's talking about a scroll with religious information on it, and nobody can read it. Well, isn't it true that they created this Latin language? That's 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 a conspiracy right there. It's never been fully uh, explained. Mm-hmm. And that's how they made people. Uh, they made God's people illiterate. Mm-hmm. Can't speak. It doesn't matter. You know, functionally illiterate. illiterate. Right. Right. You can't read, and uh, you can't, you know, function out there like as a tradesman. They were tied to the land, so they didn't travel, and they, you know, the Illuminati did all that kind of stuff back then. Mm-hmm. So you were basically excised from, you know, improving yourself in culture, that society. It says, to you, this whole vision is nothing but words sealed in the scroll. And if you give the scroll to someone who can read and say to him, read this, please, he will answer, I can't. Uh, And it goes on to say, if you give the scroll to someone who cannot read and say, read this, please, he will answer, I don't know how to read. And after it talks about that, it says, these people come near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship with me. Is made up only of rules taught by men, you know, traditions of men. Mm-hmm. That's Christianity. Yeah, what, what verses were those? That's Isaiah 29. Uh, 13 and 14 at last. 13 at last. Of I read. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on to say, therefore, once more, God's acknowledged that he's done this before. Once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. Now, the church is not talking about that. All the time on the Jesus is going to come on the clouds. That is not the new thing that's prophesied in the book of Isaiah two different times. God's going to do a new thing before Christ rules on a throne in Revelation 21. That's kind of the post millennial aspect. Well, it's kind of, you know. So, yeah, I mean, if you look around, you can see there's something fundamentally wrong with people's minds. Mm-hmm. Now, I actually believe that they're under a spell. And this is the plan of God. It's a curse mm-hmm. on God's own people. You can prove right on down the line these people can't think. And once we show the sign in the sky, the child can see, <clears throat> then that will prove it. Yeah. Only God could have made us this stupid. <laughs> but the fact that he's now revealing this to us, see, that is a sign that, aha, things are not going to change. So, you know, there have been um, upswings before um, in different uh, world ages. You had that in the first century. But you know, in the big picture, Israel rejected their Messiah, and most people didn't benefit from it. The remnant did. Mm -hmm. So you can have influxes of truth, and you'll have temporary upswings. But see, the general 
trend of each astrological age since Adam, it's a downward trend. You see that? You can have an upswing within it, but the, the, the general trend in the long term is still is still a downward one. Right. So that's why it's so exciting. You know, are we really going to have an upswing here? Because see, the Bible talks about a lot of things. Mainly, it talks about restoration. Before Christ rules on the throne, Revelation 21. There's all kinds of things that have to happen. Israel has to be restored. And there's a lot of things that involve that. And before Israel is restored, they have to go on this long exodus. None of those things have happened yet. And obviously, things are going to get better and better. So the sign in the sky is actually a sign that... um, well, you know what it is? It's a sign that we're actually, um, either the age of Aquarius is near or we're in it. So it has to be approximate with this sign being revealed. So the sign is also an indicator that we're in that new age. That they have psyops to reject. Because every time that you say new age, something little funny happens in your brain. That's the embedded programming, because you've been programmed to reject the concept of a new age because the ancient Hebrew zodiac is all covered up, mm-hmm. just like every chronology. You know, all these footballs running around, like in the Messianic Jewish movement, <clears throat> which has some validity, saying, you know, we have the biblical, biblical feasts, and you have to observe these things if you want to please God. Well, you have to have the correct starting date for your calendar. Right. If you don't have the correct starting date, then you're not keeping the Day of Atonement in the fall festivals. They have to be precise. Mm-hmm. Does anybody have reliable, irreparable information? No. Anybody ever talk about this? Well, kind of, sort of. These are the same <clears throat> people who try to claim that, well, I'm a Jew. As if they infallibly know. Can you infallibly prove that um, you're not, for some diabolical purpose, claim to be Jews and create, even if you have documents, if they forge them for some diabolical purpose, mm-hmm. can you prove that you're not from the Illuminati bloodline? You can't prove any of these things. What we lost, you see, <clears throat> after this first century judgment, all comes down to one word, protection. We had all this protection, protection of genealogies, protection of information, protection of the physical texts. We lost it all. Do you know who was protecting our Bible during the medieval era? Chris, this is a huge wake up call. Yeah, the Vatican. <laughs> yeah. Who's the Vatican, you see? The Illuminati. And who are the Illuminati? That was just going to cut to the chase. You know who's protecting our Bible in the medieval era? Satanists. Satanists. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you actually knew that, the media faker guys don't talk about Satanism. If they do, they could beat around the bush. But it's Freemason. Freemason is Freemason. No. No, Satanism. That's who's in control of Satanists. Okay? And, uh, but that creates a lot of problems you start thinking about um, the Bible, 
know what I mean? And that's why you have to have this ongoing dialogue between Azazel and uh, the father. Because, man, it's, 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 it's really got to be controlled really well. Uh, because uh, Azazel has the role of protecting um, the physical test. Because who else is doing it? See, if you, if you understand the truth about history, medieval remnant <clears throat> was actually up in the mountains. Talks about this in Ezekiel 34, by the way. Being hunted. And uh, not to talk to one person in the city. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But uh, you got to keep your mouth shut because uh, they would just simply kill you. Or throw you in prison. You know? So we said before that, you know, these, um, you know, like the Huguenots and the, well, the Huguenots were actually French Calvinists, but I believe they actually came from the uh, Cathars to some degree. But the Cathars and the Abelgenzies and uh, the Bogomils, um, they were actually the true remnant. We don't know exactly what they believed. But they lied to us about it, and uh, it all comes down to one simple thing. The Roman Catholic Church is controlled by Illuminati, and uh, now let's incorporate that and look and see who they're killing. First of all, do you believe them about anything that they tell you? No. So they tell you, well, these were evil Gnostics and heretics, you know. It was slapped on. You see that? Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know exactly what they believe. I don't have to know. What I know is that when you look at things from a spiritual perspective, if the Illuminati is is or the Vatican is killing people, then uh, these must be the good guys. Mm-hmm. See that? That's a simple concept. Are Christians mm-hmm. thinking along those lines? No. You know why? Because see, you start to realize at some point that most of their thinking is being artificially directed. You see that? Right. You can look at the whole academic community and prove that. <clears throat> you look at one simple data point. Um, we know that at some point, the so-called Jews uh, stop pronouncing the divine name, even though it says right in Scripture there's a, there's a blessing in saying the name. Mm-hmm. So it's behind the Scripture. But we're told the story that, oh, well, they can... These are supposed to be authoritative rabbis, like, you know, like, almost like prophets, you know. So this was God's agenda, you know. You're not supposed to say it anymore. Well, it was okay to say it back then, but don't say it anymore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they tell us this story, you know. Mm-hmm. And guess what? The scholars believe it. See that? They're naive. Mm-hmm. And they do this kind of thing over and over again. I mean, my God, you know, you look at, you, if you approach, I call it conspiratorial exegesis, okay? Um, nobody can prove that there's, there's scribal, they call them scribal errors. Oh, can you prove that every one of them was a scribal error? No. No one can prove that. But that's what we believe, don't we? It, well, you know, makes me feel more comfortable. What if it wasn't a strike? What if it was done with intention? Diabolical intention. Now, see, if you stop and think about it, some of these um, scribal errors are significant enough. Most of them are not, by the way. This is comforting. That uh, there's no way 
that uh, the scribal community wouldn't have known that that was a scribal edition. And yet did nothing. You know what I mean? Well, if they did nothing and they knew it was a scribal error, in other words, they knew that there was a change in the text. See, here's the thing. Before the temple was destroyed, it was very difficult to alternate the text. First of all, people are going to notice, you know what I mean? There's going to be a lot of problems. Why didn't this happen in the medieval era? What was going on there? You know, in the big picture, it's it's a how much the Bible has been protected. You see, that I think God, he deliberately wanted to display, it hasn't been revealed yet, but in the future it will be delayed, uh, revealed how he was able to um, bring about good right through um, evil men. You see, because we weren't in a position of control, so we couldn't do anything. So if anybody was going to do anything good at all, was going to do it. They had to. You see? And if you look at our society right now, our culture, who's propping this thing up? Because it could collapse. You know something? If this society was left to itself, it would just collapse overnight. The economy is being artificially propped up day after day after day. They use all this fear monitoring. It can happen tonight. It can happen tomorrow. Yeah, it could. If it could. God's plan that goes forward, see? That's all that's where it happens. And the elite Illuminati, they know all about that. They just don't want us to know. They know that they're serving the cosmic purpose, and they know there's no such thing as um, free will. And uh, now, I, I don't know if I've told you this before, but... Um, We don't feel comfortable talking about the relationship between uh, your heavenly counterpart and that that being's earthly image, but that relates to um, the mystery of, of um, why we don't have free will. Because I believe that these Elohim do have a degree of freedom. But what I want to point out that explains why we don't, it's not so bad if you understand that they do. But what I want to point out, I don't know if I've told you this before, is that um, I believe that um, we have uh, a, a degree of freedom, absolute freedom of the will is absurdity. Mm-hmm. People just don't realize that. Um, and I also believe that we will um, have freedom again in our will, you know, some degree of it. Mm-hmm. Do you understand that when people talk about freedom of the will, they always posit this unprovable um, theory that the will is absolutely free. You ever notice that? They never talk about degrees of freedom. You know, the mm-hmm. man in the street? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the free will is true. And that's like one of the most basic fundamental things. And you build mm-hmm. off of that all these other things, you know. Yeah. Off of this edifice, this house of cards. And, uh, but see, that's the mind of the layperson. He's not able to draw these necessary distinctions. They just make these broad, sweeping statements. Well, of course the will of man is free. Um, What I'm trying to say is that during the course of their entire life, they will not do two things. 
they will not even get on the Internet and spend one minute researching freedom of the will. you agree with me on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing they will not do the, do the entire course of their life is actually part of the possibility that our, our will may actually be partially free and not have absolute freedom. Mm-hmm. You see, these kind of things illustrate um, the lowliness of the common mind. This is why the Illuminati mock us, because these guys are satanic geniuses, you know. And, of course, to some degree, we are their, their creation. And then they punish us for being so stupid. Well, how did they get into this mess in the first place, you know? I mean, they're largely responsible. Mm-hmm. As far as you can have uh, responsibility in this model I presented, because at some point you realize that hope is here. Where is the role of human responsibility? Well, the Bible talks about human responsibility. talks about you know, sin, punishment for sin, and judgment, all those things. See, those are all secondary issues. Mm-hmm. And the problem with uh, the layperson's mind is it's, it's so simple in its thinking. Well, let me ask you this, if this is true. You know, um, I live in a very large town here, Tacoma. You know, how many... Um, it's, it's a little bit smaller, it's significantly smaller than Seattle. Not down too much. It's a big city. But how many how many of these local churches do you think are explaining um, to their uh, parishioners the difference between first and secondary causes? None. Probably none. Um, but, yeah. Um, well, if you get a good Calvinist church, that 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 subject can crop up. Mm-hmm. So most of the time in the Bible, what you're seeing is, um, you, you know, there's a lot of stories in the Old Testament. So naturally, they're going to be talking about secondary causes. So it looks mm-hmm. like, oh, well, Abraham did this, and he changed his mind about that, and God changed his mind. Well, no. No, God doesn't change his mind. Uh, that's impossible. So, anyway, yeah. I don't go on all that, but... Um, if he changed his mind, then he'd have a new plan, and it would be a better plan. He's scrapping the old one, <clears throat> and that would create uh, questions about the nature of God. Mm-hmm. If you're going to have a high Christology, which I do, find some people. Well, I can let you go unless you want to. No, I was. That was pretty much it. Okay. Um, when we get away from this, um, I'll actually see that there was things that I did not even answer. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those is that question you asked me about Azazel. See, I write all this stuff down. Second here. I'm going to come to this. <clears throat> Okay. What the hell? Maybe I didn't uh, write this one down. Um, or you that or I wrote it somewhere else. But you asked me if um, Azazel has horns. Remember that? Uh, what, what did I ask you? You asked me if Azazel has horns. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, because I uh, I see in a lot of media depictions of of basically the Kane character. They always portray him as having two horns on his head, and even the Alexander the Great they said had horns. And if he's a you know incarnation of Kane, mm-hmm. I'm just wondering what's up with that. Well, um, you know, it comes down to, like, you know, if I could just ignore, you know, trying to prove something, um, mm-hmm. I can just say what I believe and um, what I've concluded with all the information I've been exposed to. But um, there's a tremendous, um, there's a tremendous a, a variation all through creation. It's too bad that Christians are so ignorant about the fairy realm and the existence of what uh, are called elemental spirits. Mm-hmm. That have to do with earth, air, fire, and water. Everybody used to believe in this kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Where does it talk about how these things are not true in the Bible? Uh, nowhere. Yeah. So, at the very least, there should be tolerance. But you have to understand, this is what people used to believe, and I absolutely believe the Hebrews believe this kind of thing. Now, mm-hmm. I believe there's evidence these things in the Bible. For instance... In the book of Job, it talks about making a covenant with a stone. Yeah. yeah. Well, first of all, can you make a covenant with a, with a stone? No. <laughs> um, but if you knew that there was a category of elementals, and this is what they call them, they're actually called gnomes. Right. And if you have a rock that has enough quality, not all rocks, but if it has um, some quality to it, there is supposed to be a little elemental being that's associated with it that actually mm-hmm. mediates, you could say, energy through it. Because that thing is emanating energy. Mm-hmm. And it's not static. It varies. Mm-hmm. This also has to do with flowers. Um, right. Those are not elemental beings. So that's more like the theory realm. Well, the reason I bring it up is there's tremendous complexity within those just two categories of beings. Mm-hmm. You see complexity everywhere. So you're going to see that in what we call the dark hierarchy. Mm-hmm. So the demons are actually, as you as you go down hierarchy, you have a progression of deformity and ugliness. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if that's true, that would explain why when you go to the upper reaches, believe it or not, these elite beings actually have an admirable quality to them as far as visually. They're not ugly. Mm-hmm. They might be frightening, mm-hmm. but they're not ugly. In other words, they, it all has to do with um, proportion, which actually has to do with geometry. We talked about that before. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a common opinion about whether a woman's face is beautiful or not, but that particular face has superior geometry than other women's faces. Mm-hmm. And ugliness comes from God. There's a purpose. I've talked about that before. So anyway, you have these principles across the board. So the elite beings, they're actually dragons. And from what we know, they have a lighter colored skin. And uh, and they all all horned. They all have horns. Mm-hmm. They're actually dragons. Mm-hmm. So, and they're not to be confused with, it all depends on your terminology, but um, there's a serpent race. 
Mm-hmm. And um, my understanding is those are the Anunnaki. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a general rule, they uh, left the Earth's surface at some point after the flood. Because you always have degeneration. Once you have degeneration progressively, uh, for instance, like in the energetic environment, then you're going to have beings that have knowledge and they have knowledge of what's below, and at some point they're going to say, we're getting out of here. You see that? Yeah. Because they can. Because they can. If they can, then at least some of them will do it, and so that's what they did. And so, yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of beings that used to be here, and now they're below. Mm-hmm. And um, and we have found um, little tiny caves and stuff like that, little tiny steps. Now, see, you get into the mediocre mentality, go, how do you know that's true? You see, that's the problem with that kind of mentality. Oh, you know, can't believe anything, you know. But supposedly they have found little tiny, um, you know, tools and stuff like that at the end of these things. Yeah, now, I'm telling yeah. you flat out. I'm telling you flat out that there are there are tunnels uh, with steps with vitrified blocks. And the reason I know that is because they actually have tours, like in Brazil or Iron Ireland. Not this country. You can go there and see them. Now that means that, that there's something now that we know that can be true. You can go there, take a tour. So now you can't prove anymore that these smaller little tunnels with the tiny steps, you can't prove that that doesn't exist. You can't mm-hmm. prove it. You can be skeptical. You can be skeptical about anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, the reason I'm saying that is because these beings, when you look around, I mean, they're not there. Um, now, I believe that they can be in some places. These are beings that have density. What I'm talking about is elves. Okay. Uh, which are not to be confused with, like, gnomes. I mean, they all have to do with terminology. But, um, I mean, they're a small means, short of stature. And they're actually showing you uh, in, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings. Because that is actually, if you understand what he's doing there, he's talking about previous world ages. And he's saying, you know, the elves were here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're not here now. They can be in obscure places. And I actually believe they are. Um but I believe that they went down into the uh, earth. I believe they're in the caves. You know, and there's tremendous ignorance about the caves because when we think about going to the caves, we think about dying and being blind, can't see. You know, sure. an ancient man thought about going to the caves. He thought about that as a place of refuge. Sure. And I absolutely believe that if you penetrate the caves far enough, they become luminous. You ever heard about that? Sure. And if that's true. That would be something that God has actually provided. And the Illuminati does not want us to know. Do you think the Illuminati wants us to know that there's, um, if you penetrate deep enough into the earth, there's actually um, luminosity in the caves? Do you think they would want us to know about that? Mm -hmm. They wouldn't want us to know about that at all. So that explains why we don't know about it. But... um, Mm I'm kind of drawing a blank here because there's a lot more I could say about horns, and I'm not quite getting it now. Because um, I remember I had like this complex answer. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean they have 
they have horns and uh, it signifies something um, of grandeur. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say, I'm not sure if you've heard this before, but I can't explain why I believe this. But I've concluded that angels actually do have wings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in a qualified sense, um, they have different forms. And, I mean, this is all theoretical. Most people, I agree that. I'm, I'm just coming out in front and saying it. But um, they have, I mean, they are, um, angels are, um, uh, I was going to say chameleons, but there's a different word I was going to say. But they're very changeable, mutable beings. And they can appear yeah, like Yeah, they're shape shifters, yeah. 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 And, uh, but we've concluded that they have three basic forms. And one of these forms, which is being misunderstood, is like an animal type form. And that's what the cherubim actually are. Mm-hmm. Connie's done a lot of work on this. But anyway, um, they have a glorified form, and that is where they actually appear with wings. Mm-hmm. And my understanding is they normally don't have that form. So it's not normative for them to have wings. Now, here's what's interesting. You know, the Protestant mindset is that, you know, well, angels don't have wings. And there's nowhere in the Bible that says that they don't have wings. Well, actually, that's not true. Okay. The Catholic view is that, you know, uh, if they have wings, it's not that big of a deal. Because they're so used to seeing them in all these medical opinions with wings. So the wings mm-hmm. communicate something, that they can move swiftly and stuff like that. But anyway, and of course, those paintings are largely from the Illuminati. Mm-hmm. But see, what I'm saying is that there's a middle position, which is never discussed, that angels have uh, superior and inferior manifestations. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, we believe that when they come to Earth, they shrink in size. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there you go again, you see. And yeah. um, I think they have three basic sizes. I think they're, the males are around 70 to 80 feet. Yeah, I agree. And then when they come down to Earth, they shrink to about 15 feet. And then if, that's if they don't appear. Mm-hmm. If they do appear and interact with you, they'll shrink down to like, you know, roughly like seven feet or maybe a little shorter or something. Now, hold it now. That's not even true because they also can appear as a regular man. Yep, yep. So they normal height. Mm-hmm. And if you ask them a question, you know, well, were, you, were you born in Connecticut? They'll lie to you. Mm-hmm. We call them angel lies. <laughs> Terminology for everything. So yeah, um, angels have—they can have wings. I mean, that's what I believe. You know, I'm just throwing this stuff out there. When I first started doing this podcast, I was kind of um, reluctant to talk about some. You know, I'd like to talk about things I could prove, at least give sufficient sufficient evidence. Um, I think people want to know what I believe, just for entertainment factor. Yeah, that's why I'm throwing it out there. You know, people say, "Don't talk about the elemental spirits, Dave." By the way, we talked about the elemental spirits, and we had a lady that just virtually attacked us in our Facebook group. Maybe you remember all that? I don't know. <clears throat> because she said that these elementals were demons. That's a simplistic, basically, um, in the typical Christian mind, anything that they don't understand um, is caused by a demon. Mm-hmm. They think evil. And if it's a being that they don't understand, because they have a... Uh, simplistic angelology, 
you know, you're basically either an angel or a demon. So if you're evil, you're a demon. So if there's something, the being that they don't like or they don't trust, and they call that a demon. Mm-hmm. So a fairy would be a demon, an elemental would be a demon, and uh, you know, like a dark gnome, that would be a demon. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting because um, there are some close parallels between like dark gnomes and demons. Almost an overlap, but one is a a, 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 a creature that has a lot more density. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people used to believe this, and uh, the reason we're talking about it is because we have an ancient mindset, mm-hmm. and uh, we are all suffering uh, from the propaganda of the so-called 18th century enlightenment, quote unquote, mm-hmm. that induces skepticism about the invisible realms. And you actually see that culminating in the media fakery group where, I mean, they're not acknowledging anything spiritual or invisible. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen them acknowledge anything? Of course, you have Christian God. You know, it's like the non-Christians. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If, if, you know, if I can't see it, it's not there, right? Mm-hmm. Ask, ask yourself, is that what the ancients believed? No. They almost had a, uh, a fixation on the invisible yeah. world. And they were very concerned about the gods' attitudes towards human behavior, mm-hmm. the cause and effect. You know, I don't want to get the gods angry. I'm going to put the sacrifice out there, make sure everything's cool. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to let you go, Chris. All right. I don't want to get out of energy here. We should do this again before too long. Yeah, I'll probably call you back here. I'm sure I'll okay. have more questions. <laughs> yeah. All right, sounds good. All right, thanks, man. Yeah, take care. Bye. Bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.